Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Chase. Yeah, I think uh, it's just an important thing to know about just the, the strength of our groups and, and why they matter so much of getting together uh, through the week. We're really excited. My uh, whole family, I have two teenagers, and we all go to the same group. Uh, we hang out with other people who have teenagers as well as people who want to be a part of that group as well. And it's just really great to see how uh, different people uh, start to navigate and build relationships and grow and, and be able to pray for each other during the week and text each other. And it's just this really amazing uh, thing that we have going on. So I want to th- say thank you so much to, to Pastor Chase and, uh, and, and Wyatt and all the leaders because it really is um, an amazing thing. Um, before we jump into our uh, message today, there's a few things that I want to talk about. Number one, um, we are going to be back in the book of Matthew. Um, our series handout for uh, chapters 13 and 14 is now available. Uh, this is really great for um, if there's something that comes up and you're like, oh, I didn't quite understand that, or maybe you want to go a little deeper than, than the sermon on Sunday morning. Um, this is available out at the group's table on the way out. Um, it's also vi- available in digital copies, so if you want one, just let us know. We can send it out to you. you you can uh, find that available um, at, the, at the table on the way out. And uh, number two, uh, coming up on Sunday the 24th, uh, we're having our annual business meeting. And if you've never been to an Ignite business meeting and you're like, well, are these any good? They're really good. Um, so um, we're going we're gonna to talk and reflect back on God's goodness and faithfulness in 2020, as well as look ahead into 2021. Also at Ignite, um, church membership um, runs on an annual basis. We, we re-up our membership every year. And so if, that's, uh, if you want to re-up your membership, or you want to become a member, like these are the places, this is the place where we do that as well as uh, deciding and where we're going to be moving uh, forward uh, for 2021. So that's going to be available uh, January 24th, 4 p.m. at our place. Um, it feels good to say that. And uh, so we'll be right here and talking about uh, what God has for us uh, for the next year. We are going to be jumping back into uh, Matthew today. We've been in Matthew now a little over a year um, with some breaks. We've been taking breaks in between, kind of breaking up into chunks. But the reason why we're going through this is it's a biography of Jesus. It was written by uh, the disciple, the apostle Matthew, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, he was an eyewitness. He writes what he sees about Jesus' earthly ministry. And it's, a, it's, it's part of God's revelation to us as to how we are to respond and what kind of God it is that we worship. It's an amazing, amazing truth. And we've been going through it slowly because we don't want to miss things. We want to make sure that we're, we're taking our time to be able to walk through these things. And Matthew is broken up into chunks. And so Matthew chapter 1 through 4 is all about the fact that Jesus is a king, and Jesus is a king like none other, okay? In chapters 5 through 7, Jesus is a king, and he is a king of a kingdom, and that kingdom is a kingdom like none other. It is an incredible kingdom, and it's upside down to the way the world would consider how kingdoms operate, and it's this beautiful picture of the kingdom of heaven. In chapters 8 and 9, we see that this kingdom and this king has come for all people, that he is, that he is God in the flesh, and that his kingdom is available to all who would put their trust in him. And in chapters 10 through 12, we've seen how... Um, 
how this kingdom goes forward, but we also got to see the reactions and the responses, the varying responses to this kingdom. Some people responded joyfully in faith. Some people rejected. Some people were prideful. Some people were confused and all these different things. We get to see this reception of the kingdom in chapters 10 through 12. And now we start chapters 13 and 13 and 14 are really about this kingdom and this king, the Messiah, the savior of the world, starts to come into sharper focus. We've had this beautiful picture so far, and now we're going to get to see like all these nuances and all these different angles and all these different things as these come into sharper focus. And so in chapter uh, 13 especially, Jesus is going to be teaching us and, and teaching us in, uh, in a new way um, called parables, okay? So we're going to be talking about parables today, chapter 13, full of parables, and, uh, and we're going to be seeing how Jesus teaches us through parables. Now, just a quick little thing. Um, as we, as we remember, we, we left off um, uh, back from November, right before the Christmas season, we saw that that the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, um, were rejecting Jesus and his message and him and saying that he was uh, doing the work of the devil. Okay, so, so he, uh, which is false by the way, huge, huge, big lie. So, so they rejected Jesus. They falsely accused Jesus. Jesus is rejected by the religious leaders of that day because they did not match what they thought that what God should do and what he looked like and how he should operate. And he's like, but I am God, so I get to set my own terms. And they're like, well, you don't get to do that because it doesn't meet our needs or it doesn't meet our wants or it doesn't meet our picture. So in their pride and their arrogance, they end up rejecting the God that they say that they worship. And so Jesus is going to go through uh, and teach parables. Now, parables are a fictional story that teaches a deeper spiritual truth, but that truth isn't always obvious, okay? So it's, 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 it's wrapped in, a, in somewhat mystery. It causes you to dig a little bit, causes you to concentrate, but the, it's not always obvious. And, and parables are used both to, both to reveal truth and conceal truth, okay? So revealing things, but also kind of uh, uh, concealing them as well, too. Jesus is not going to give up his treasures to people who are arrogant. He's not going to give them the time, you know, like this is the time to do that. So he speaks in parables that both, if, if you're humble in heart, it's going to make things clear, but if you're arrogant, it's going to cloud things a little bit. So that's why he does these uh, parable teachings. And what we're going to see, the big idea for today is this. Your heart condition dramatically affects the word's reception. Okay? Number one, I worked on that all week. So... Words are tough sometimes. So, so uh, your heart condition, what's going on in your heart, what's going on inside your life dramatically affects how you will receive the teaching and the words of God. Okay? It dramatically affects how the reception happens. Okay? So your heart condition dramatically affects the world's reception. Let's, let's jump in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. We've got a lot of scripture to cover today. So if you have a Bible, you can go there. Matthew 13, verse 1. Um, it's right after Matthew 12. So that's where you're looking. That's where we start. Um, and we're going to go through 23 verses today. So we've got, we got lots of ground to cover, but Jesus has lots to say. So let's begin. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some of the seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the ground where they did not have much soil, um, on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when they rose, the sun rose, they scorched, and since there was, they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. The end. Let's pray. Just kidding. So Jesus, he's got this, he's got this moment. There, he walks out of this house, and then he goes down by the sea. He's on the beach. Great crowds gather. He's, he's in a cove. Uh, and so what happens is he gets in a boat, and he goes out into the water, and he sits down. Now, this is, this is a cove. It's now, it's now known as the Cove of Parables um, because of what happened there. And, and what, what's great is this is amazing acoustical uh, like a natural uh, lecture hall. And so where he's sitting, um, if you can sit there, you can actually project with, with good, without amplification, up to 300 feet, okay? So the length of a football field, he's able to um, be able to teach people. I just think it's amazing that God created this natural arena so that he could teach there someday. I just think that's cool. Um, but he gets out there, he gets in the boat, and he sits down. That's another important piece because a teacher in this culture, in this day, when they held a, a spot of authority and they were going to teach, they would sit down, okay? So everybody else is standing and they are sitting. It's the exact opposite of what we have in our culture, right? So for teachers and, and, and professors and pastors, right? You're all sitting, I'm standing, right? That's what we like, okay. The, this, the, the person who's going to teach stands and everybody else sits. It was the opposite in the Hebrew culture. So Jesus is sitting in the boat and he tells a parable about a sower. Now, it's not like a seamstress, not a tailor, not someone who, who sows clothing, but one who scatters seed, more agrarian, more planting. This, this person was a sower. And there's, there's parts to this parable. There's a sower, there's a person, there's seed, and there's soil. And there's four kinds of soil. There's, there's the path, which is hard soil. There's the rocky ground. There's the, the soil with thorns in it. And there's good soil. And he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Which I love because it's, it's kind of murky right now, isn't it? Like, is he teaching us in gardening? Like, like, like is this something that like, you would see on HGTV? Like, hey, don't throw seeds on the road, right? But no, he's, he's, like, he's like, there's this, this sower that goes out. And he scatters seed, and some falls on hard ground, some falls on rocky ground, some falls on ground with thorns in it, and some falls in good soil. He who has ears, let him hear. And then he waits. One of the pastors that I've respected over the years and, and, and learned so much from is a, is a pastor named Chuck Swindoll. And he has this to say, and I just thought this was so interesting. He says, the Bible won't give up its treasures to the lazy. The Bible won't give up its treasures to the lazy. Now, we can read the Bible, and you can give a cursory reading of the Bible, skim over it. You might get some things here and there. It's really good. It's helpful and beneficial. But there's lots of people who have read the Bible, and it has done nothing for their heart and nothing for their mind. They read it from an arrogant posture, and they said, I'm just going to do this. And, and Jesus says, you can do that, but if you have ears to hear, there's going to be so much more. 
The Bible's not going to give up its treasures to the lazy. We need to be diligent. We need to think through these things, ask questions, ask good questions. So let's not be lazy today. And so maybe you're thinking, maybe you've heard this story before. Maybe you grew up, you're like, you know what? I've heard this. I know where it's going. And you've already checked out and you're thinking about Wild Card Sunday and you're all just geeked up and ready to go, right? Others are going, but what is this about? And so whether you've heard this before or whether you haven't, let's ask the question, what's this about? Because that's what his disciples would do. And they would ask him this question and they were curious and he would do so, he would answer them, but first he would give them a word of warning. So we're going to see that in chapter, or verse 10. Verse 10 says this, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah was, is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts has grown dull, and their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and hear to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So Jesus gets out in a boat, tells a story about, um, tells a parable about a guy sowing seeds and it's got four different soils. He who has ears, let him hear. And then he just stops for a little bit. Now, I don't know if the disciples were in the boat with him or if they were in another boat or they got into a boat and kind of rowed out and goes, hey, Jesus, some of the people back here are wondering what's going on. Like, we're not quite sure. But somehow, some way, they get to talking to Jesus, and he says, he says, they said, Jesus, why do you teach these people in parables? They ask a question. And he says, listen, to you it's been given the, king, the secrets of the kingdom, but for them it hasn't. Well, why is that the case? Why do some people get the secrets? Why do some people get the knowledge? And why do some people not? Why, why don't they get it? And the, the answer uh, comes in this, and it's also the answers in the question. The fact that they would ask a question. They're like, why do you do it this way? Why, why are you going about this? This is different. What's, why is this different? You see, when we ask questions, it means we don't know the answer. And when we don't know the answer and we recognize we don't know the answer, it's a sign of humility. Okay, if we, if we don't know what's going on, if we say, I want to learn this, or why do you do this, or why is this about this, we start to, we, we go, you know, I don't know something and I'm looking for an answer. The fact that you acknowledge that you don't know something is a sign of humility. Okay, so asking questions, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to ask questions when you don't know the answer to say, why is this the way that this is? I'm curious. You've got me thinking on these things, and I'm coming to you for the answer. We go to Jesus for the answer for this. And he says, if you're humble, 
and you've received me. It's been given the secrets of the kingdom, but others they have not. And he says, for those who have, more will be given. And those who have not, those who have not even what they do have is going to be taken away. And he says, listen, if you have, if you have humility, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you continually talk and ask Jesus questions, if you continually come to him in a humble posture and we continually walk towards Jesus and walk with Jesus, more will be added to us. Humble hearts receive more. There's more there to, there's always these things here, but we learn more when we're humble. And so what we have, more will be added he says, but for the arrogant, it's not so. He said, he said they don't have, the, he says, even what they do have, it goes away. It gets taken away. Have you ever had to work with somebody who's arrogant? Like, have you ever had to, like, a group project or in a work environment or a class, what, whatever it is, have you ever had to work with someone who is arrogant? For some, I see some head nods. For some, I heard some heavy sighs. And for some, I think I even see a tear or two right? (laughs) It's awful. It is awful. It is awful. It's terrible working with an arrogant person, especially you have to train them. Well, here, let me show you. I got it. I got it. I know how to do this. Like, I know how to do this. How do you know how to do it? Because I'm me, right? Like, this, this arrogance, and he says, listen, if you, ever, if you ever notice, like, people who are arrogant, who persist in their arrogance and persist in their pride, even what they have gets, starts getting taken away. Even what they have starts getting taken away. Common sense and relationships and promotions and authority and, all, like, when you're arrogant and you're prideful, like, it just starts getting stripped away because of your arrogance and pride. And he says, well, even what they have is getting taken away. And then he goes on and he quotes the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah lived about 600 years before Jesus was born. And uh, he had all these amazing revelations from God. And he wrote them down. A lot of them had to do about Jesus. It's really amazing. The, 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 the scripture in Isaiah, all these different prophecies about like the savior of the world is coming. The Messiah is coming. This is who he is. This is what he's going to look like. And with unbelievably detailed description, he describes Jesus to, 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 to us such a degree that some people would even call Isaiah the fifth gospel, okay? There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Isaiah, the prophecies about it, is so prominent and profound about the Savior of the world out of these prophecies. But Isaiah also had another role. He would prophesy not only about the Messiah of the world, but also how the people would receive the Messiah and how the people would treat him and how the people would receive Isaiah's message. And so in Isaiah's message, when God's speaking to him, he's like, this is what's going to happen. People are going to see, but they're not going to perceive. People are going to hear, but they're not going to listen. And why is that? Because they're dull of heart. Their hearts have grown dull. Their hearts have grown dull. How does your heart grow dull? Pride, arrogance, a refusal. And so he says, their hearts have grown dull. He goes, if they would just turn to me, if they would just open their eyes, if they would just listen to me, I would heal them. But, but they won't. They're arrogant and they're stubborn and they won't do this. He said, there's people in this world that are just going to continually turn away from me. And if they would turn to me, there's healing and restoration and forgiveness and kindness and mercy. But their hearts have grown dull. Their hearts have grown dull.
And he says, but blessed are you. He said, you, you get to see what Isaiah was writing about. You get to see the Messiah. The, the, the prophets and the righteous have, have longed to see this day of, of seeing Jesus. And what Jesus is doing here is a very, very good thing. By coming to this earth and living this life and dying on the cross and raising from the dead. It's this amazing reality that we have in God. It's a very beautiful thing that he's coming. But he said, but listen, some people don't want to do it God's way. And some people are just arrogant in their posture. He says, but those who have ears, let them hear. And so after this warning, he goes on and he describes the parable. He, he explains it in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what, what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Immediately he falls away. As for the one who is sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for the one who is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, and in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So Jesus says, the seed is the word of God. It's the words of the kingdom. It's what we find in the scriptures. So there's someone who sows, right? So anytime someone is sharing the word of God, they become a sower. So when you share the word of God, like I'm doing now, you sow the seed. You, you cast it out and you start to plant these seeds. And the seed is the word of God. And the soils are the heart condition of all of those who hear. Of anyone who hears it, it, it breaks down into one of four places. It's, it's the hearers who are the soil. And so you know one of the disciples are like, dude, I told you it wasn't about actually planting seeds. Told you. It's like, whatever. Still plays true, doesn't it? And so he, he talks about these things. And so he says there's, there's four different kinds of heart reception. There's, there's, there's four different kinds of heart condition that will, that will determine and dramatically affect. He said, the number, he said, number one, it's just hard soil. Like, like, somebody will share the words of God, and they'll be like, okay, whatever. And it just kind of lands, and that's it. And our enemy, Satan will come and go, I'll take that, thank you very much. There are people who hear the words of God. There are people who hear these things and go, yeah, whatever. Or they don't understand it, and they're not going to ask questions because they're too proud to ask questions. They're like, no, I'm too hardened in that way. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to, mm, mm So they don't understand it. They don't grasp it. They don't care about it. There's people who will listen to this this morning and walk out this door and go, well, that was fun. Or they'll go, well, that was a waste of time. Whatever. He goes, that's one place where the seed falls. It falls on the path, on hard soil. 
He said there's another kind of soil. There's, there's ones that somebody receives it with joy. They're, they're all like fired up or fired up, depending on where you live, right? And, 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 and they get all excited and they're like, yes, this is what it is. I love this. And then they walk out and at the first sign of tribulation, at the first sign of trial, at the first sign of things not going their way, at the first sign of the awkward, they're like, yeah, you know what? I guess I'm done. I, this is hard. This is too hard. Man, I didn't think that following Jesus meant this. Well, I'm, I'm out. Man, I didn't know that believing this meant that I was going to receive some backlash. I, I'm out. This is hard. I'm done. He said there's another kind. There's another kind that, that falls into soil. It's deeper than the last one. And it starts to germinate and grow. But, but in the soil, there's also thorns. There's things in their life like the cares of the world or the deceitfulness of riches. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have wealth. It just means that wealth can deceive you in thinking that you're somebody and thinking that this is, and that wealth and the, the accumulation of wealth is the most important thing. And somehow that's going to fill some longing in your heart and give you purpose and meaning in life. That's a deceitfulness of riches. He says, he says, listen, there's people who care more about what other people think than what I think. There are people who, who care more about accumulating things than, than actually living a life following Jesus. He says, and slowly and surely what happens is, is they go, well, that's all really good, but then it starts to choke them out and it starts to become unfruitful. And it proves unfruitful. I remember talking to someone who I've been discipling literally for years, and, and suddenly they stopped, they, they stopped attending the group that I was leading, and, and one of the ladies in the group went over and started talking to her and said, hey, what, what's going on? Like, you've been here for, like, faithfully for, like, five years, and now you're just off the face of the map. What happened? And her response was, well, God just isn't convenient for me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that was her response. He says, but then there's this other kind of soil. There's this other kind of soil that goes, it goes deep and it's, it's, it's soft and it's ready to have a seed planted in it. And it, 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 it explodes in fruitfulness and amazing, uh, all these different things that, that happens with it. And it, 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 will, it will produce a hundredfold or sixtyfold or thirtyfold. Now listen, like a tenfold harvest is, ma is, is amazing. Like if you plant a seed and it produces 10 times what, you know, like that's really, really great. A tenfold harvest is really, really good year. We're talking 30, 60, 100. Like word of God gets planted in your heart and God does exceedingly more than you can ask or imagine in your life or in the life of the people that you've been investing in. It is so fun to watch. It's unbelievable watching the root, uh, watching God's seed take root in people's heart and produce in their life things that you didn't even know were possible. It's amazing to see. But your heart condition dramatically affects the word's reception. Your heart condition dramatically affects the word's reception. The soil that you're in dramatically affects how you're listening to this. And so I want to talk about a few things that are implications of this as well as applications. So the first implications are this. Number one, the seed is always good. Okay? God's word, always good. 
Well, what about the hard stuff? Good. What about the stuff that's not popular? Good. It's always good seed. The words of God lead us to life. And it produces in us life. The seed is always good. What determines the growth in your life is not the quality of the seed, but the condition of the soil. The word of God is always good. The seed, always good. Number two, that we need to, re- we need to practice self-reflection before outward examination. Self-reflection before outward examination. The parable is designed for us to look in upon ourselves before we go look at anybody else, okay? Because here's what we do. We start looking around the room, we're like, rocky, thorns, shallow, hard. We start like, looking at it, and we're like, you know, if Steve would just let me, I would make name tags, and I would put everybody's soil condition on their jacket because I'm that good. And by the way, we always put ourselves as good soil, don't we? I mean, if we're honest, if we're thinking about this right now, we're like, well, I'm, I asked a question once. I'm good, right? We always put ourselves as the hero. We start arguing, well, is my, what's going to produce in my life? Is it just going to be 30 or 60 or 100? That's where we argue. We don't ask her, are we actually good soil? Think about your life and think about when God has planted things into your life and think about how you received it. Before you talk with anybody else, before you look at anybody else, before you do, like, Self-reflection before outward examination. Number three, not everyone who hears the message will receive it. If you're sharing the truth with someone, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to receive it well. And I hate to break that to you. I wish it was different. But we live in a broken world where people have pride in their life. And we have it too. How we receive this. Not everybody's going to receive it. And if we were going to evenly distribute the four soils across this room, that means 25% of the group in here is, is good soil. Today. Think about that. You're like, Steve, doesn't that get discouraging? Like every week you stand up and go, eh, 25% of people will probably get this. The answer is no. Um for a few reasons. Number one, because when it does land in good soil, what it produces is amazing. Number two, uh, which actually should be number one, Jesus told me to do this, and so I do it, and I find joy in it. Number three, God can change the soil. That's pretty amazing. God can change the soil. God can change the condition of your heart. God can change the condition of hearts of other people. God can change the soil. There may be something that you learned that you didn't want to learn or you heard or you read in the scriptures, you're like, meh, whatever, and that kind of fell on hard soil and left. But over time, something happened where the soil of your heart got changed. Or maybe you realized that you were caring too much about what other people thought and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches was exposed and you were able to root those things out by the help of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there were certain things that God gave you depth and and you went through trials and maybe you fell away once, but you know what? You, You went back and you went, this time, like... God created a deeper soil in you. 
God can change the soil. God can change the soil of your life. God can change the soil of people's life, of anybody's life. God can change the soil. And so what do we do with all this? Number one, we're going to make much of Jesus. How do we make sure that we're cultivating good soil in our life? Make much of Jesus. Make sure that he's the center of your life. Make sure that he's the most important thing. Make sure that what he says is more important than what your friends say. That what he says is more important than what you tell yourself. That what Jesus says is we make much of Jesus. Because when we make much of Jesus, we don't have time to make much of ourselves. Church, we will only be as healthy as we are humble. You can tweet that if you want. We're only as healthy as we are humble. We're only as healthy as we are humble. And that I, I, we need to pray that we would be good soil. After reading this scripture and, and, and preparing the sermon and the message for the week, I've been, just been spending more time doing that before I read the Bible in my own devotional time, my own time with God. I'm like, God, would you make me good soil today? I pray that this seed would fall on good soil. And the things that I'm learning are pretty amazing. Not because I'm awesome, but because God is good. So I pray that before we walk into church, before we open our Bibles, before we do, like, would you pray that we would all be good soil? And would you pray that our church would be good soil? Like, pray for your brothers and sisters around you that we would all be good soil. And that when we fail at this, because we will, Christians aren't perfect, we're forgiven. When we fail at this, that we would run to Jesus and not away from him. And when you fail at this, that you would run to Jesus and not away from him. I pray that we would run to Jesus and understand that God is merciful, that that's why the cross exists, that he can forgive us even now, even when we've rejected something that we've read in the scriptures, go back and go, Lord, please forgive me. He's good, kind, gracious, merciful, and loving, and he will grant you forgiveness if we would just admit that we're wrong. Right? We, we need to, like, confess our sins. And so when we fail at this, when we find ourselves getting, falling away because things get hard or we get choked out by the deceitfulness of riches or, 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 or something, we're just hard-hearted, we can go to Jesus and ask him to forgive us. And that's pretty amazing. And he gives us mercy. And then in response of that, we become merciful with others. Because God is merciful to us, we can be merciful to others. And then understanding that there's certain truths that Jesus has taught that maybe it took you a little longer to grasp. Be gracious because something else will be that for someone else. Let's be patient with each other. Let's continue to sow good seed. And let's just pray that God would change our hearts. And where we fail and we recognize it, let's go to the cross and ask for forgiveness and move on and be gracious and kind with the people around us. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. I thank you for this time. And Lord, today I pray that miraculously, everyone in this room and everyone watching online would be good soil. I pray that you would make this good soil, that our hearts would be ready to receive the truths 
and the revelation of God. Thank you so much for giving us your word. Lord, let us not take it for granted. Let us not abuse it. And Lord, when we fall short of this, have mercy on us, we pray. Thank you for what you're teaching us. Thank you for how you're shaping us. Thank you for how you're leading us. And may we always be a heart that is ready to receive the kingdom of heaven and be good soil and that we would bear much fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.